Hello and welcome into the latest edition of the One on One Podcast brought to you by the High Tops Media Network, Noah Schwartz and Jack Acello here with you on a late Sunday night. Um, probably our last episode, Jack, ever as college students with graduation just a week away for us. So very exciting time in our lives. Happy Mother's Day as well to all the potential basketball mom, basketball loving moms out there listening to us here. Um, Jack, how are you? I mean, what a great week it's been for us so far and just an exciting time in our lives with the playoffs and, you know, graduation, everything that's going on. Yeah, college is, college is over. Uh, it feels like it feels like a chapter is ending and the next one is upon us, as Kevin Durant would say in his next My chapter. next chapter. So it's exciting and basketball has been great. Uh, my team had an unfortunate end, but the playoffs are still going. I'm still excited and it's a good time. Yes, no question about it. So... We came into this morning knowing we were going to record tonight, thinking that the majority of our episode was going to be focused on Game 7 that we saw earlier today. We'll talk about the Celtics and the Sixers in a little bit. We thought we'd talk about Monty Williams, and all of that will be part of this episode. But we didn't think that there'd be a John Morant segment going on. And unfortunately, we're back in the situation, Jack, with Ja in the news for all the wrong reasons. It's really unfortunate. Another video this morning was surfaced on Instagram, of an Instagram Live that I believe it was Ja's friend that... That made it, and in the video, Ja appeared to show another gun, which is now the second time he's obviously done this. It happened back a few months ago when uh, they were in Denver to play the Nuggets, and he showed that gun in the bar, uh, strip club, wherever he was, early in the morning. Uh, This time, it was on an Instagram Live with, as I said, his friend Devontae Pack, um, and it got, it went viral, went all over the internet, and as soon as the Grizzlies saw it, they decided they were going to suspend Ja from all team activities going forward. So we don't know exactly what that means for the future. We don't know if that means a suspension during next season and how everything will play out. But Ja back in the headlines, um, and unfortunately, it's another act of just um, complete irresponsibility from one of the best players in the league, Jack. Yeah, there's no other way to say it. I didn't watch the whole video entirely, I, but literally you just look up Ja Moran, the first thing that comes up is a picture of him on the New York Post with the gun. In, like at this spot and during the video. Yeah, if, if you haven't right seen if you haven't seen the video, they're in a car, the two guys, Ja and his friend Devante, and in the midst of the video, they're dancing to this rap song. I don't I don't know the song, but they're dancing to it in this car. And for a split second, you see Ja hold up the gun, and then the camera kind of turns and you don't see it anymore. So it was only you know, maybe a second or so that the, it was in the video. And I think the reason that the camera got flipped so quickly was because as soon as it came out. And you could see the gun, the friend, Devontae, he knew it and understood what was the situation was about to happen and made sure he turned the camera away as if to hide it. But people saw it. Yeah, and this is, this is a really bad situation for Ja. And when it comes to on the court, Ja Morant, uh, to some, to me, he's a top 15 player. To some, he may very well be a top 10 player in the NBA. He's truly one of the special talents we got, one of the most fun players when he's on the court. But this just can't be happening in this situation, especially... Literally after it happened so recently, this isn't like two years has passed and now it's resurfacing again. This just happened almost less than a month ago. And not less than a month ago, about two months ago. Two months ago, yeah. Yeah, Two months ago. And, you know, he sounded very apologetic when he came back. But we knew nothing, we, we should have expected nothing to change in the fact that you can't, you can't get over, you can't get through this kind of thing overnight. And I didn't, I didn't buy into the, the thing that John Morant did for about four days, that was more than, that was mainly just a PR move. Like, they said he got help. But, it's, you, like I said, you can't do this in four days. And 
Jaws, 23 years old. You know, he's about to make a lot of money. Uh, his extension's about to kick in. It's time to grow up. And he, this is a guy, this is not like he's just a kid out of college and he's high, he's just living his 20s. Like, this is a guy, he has a daughter, he has a family, he has a little sister that's around, oh, just about to be a teenager. He has people he has to take care of and look out for. It's just time to show a little more responsibility. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned those quotes that John made when he came back the first time a couple months ago. And he said that he was really sorry. And then he also said it after he was eliminated a couple weeks ago against the Lakers in that 40-point Game 6 loss. And Tim McMahon retweeted the quotes from him this morning just so people could see him. And it's been resurfacing all the day. He said a couple weeks ago, quote, I've just got to be better with my decision-making. That's pretty much it. Off-the-court issues affected us as an organization pretty much. I just need more discipline. So he understood that there were things that he needed to do better. And he understood it because he went into rehab. And, I mean, this is not... It's not the only instance, Jack. The gun, the gun videos are not the only thing. There was a situation in the backyard where he allegedly beat up a kid. Like a, I think he was 17 years old. The laser pointer. There was the laser pointer thing. There was the incident at the mall, which took place last summer, I believe. So there's probably five, six different things that are against John now. And, you know, it's one of the situations where we were talking about it off the air before, where did John necessarily break the law by holding a gun in a car on a video? No. I, I, I mean, maybe he did. Maybe we don't know that yet. But it doesn't seem like there's anything criminal activity going on here. But at the same time, if you're the NBA and you're the Grizzlies, you have to use prior judgment and someone's past. And reputation. In, right. And the reputation matters. And so that's why the Grizzlies decided to suspend Ja. And again, like I said, it's for all team activities going forward. Uh, Woj before on pregame, uh, before the Game 7, said that he expects a lengthy suspension for Ja going into next season as well. We don't know anything about that yet, but that's just Woj's reporting. So this is not going away. He has all these lawsuits against him anyway. All this stuff has already come out. And now there's just something else on top of the laundry list of different acts that have already gone with John Morant. And like you said, he's one of the best players in the league. He already cost himself $40 million just a few days ago. It became official when he didn't make All-NBA team. He cost himself that Supermax deal. He, he's getting about uh, $40 million less now than he could have gotten had he made All-NBA. And now he may get suspended, lose more money from game checks and whatnot. He... His NBA future is uncertain at this point, obviously, with a, a potential suspension coming. You mentioned before um, his off-the-court ventures could be affected by this. He may lose sponsorship deals and things like that. So this is affecting a lot of different aspects of his life. And for a guy who's so talented, you just wish he would make better choices and surround himself with better people. But to this point, that, that just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened yet, and they were talking a lot about Job himself. But if you're, for example, the Memphis Grizzlies, like, this probably ruins your entire season next year and the fact that Woj thinks it and probably most people do, Jaws definitely going to get at least a double-digit game suspension. I'm going to say somewhere along the lines of 20 to 25 games. He, probably, missed, he missed eight games yeah, the first time. Exactly. So you're probably going to have to at least double that and add on a few more. I say 20 is at least the minimum. Yeah. And that's going to be about a quarter of the season. And if you're, that's going to hurt them early on in the season. It's going to be harder to get chemistry. And it's also going to affect the team's offseason if they want to try and bring in a free agent or somebody. That's going to really affect a lot of things. And it's not a good look. And it's going to be hard for him. And it's going to be hard for the team. And we talked about it a little before. At what point, it hasn't happened yet, but at what point is the headache more annoying than what you're actually getting back? Right. Well, it, there's, there's a line that the Grizzlies have. Yes. So, Zach Kleiman somewhere has a line in the sand, a GM. And Ja has quickly approached that line. 
Yes. At some point, he could cross it. Maybe this will be the thing that officially crosses it. We don't know. Yeah, he's on it's, strike two right now. Right. Still at the at-bat. Who knows how many he's going to foul off. Exactly. That's pretty much There are a lot of questions about what the Grizzlies want to do with him. And, and look, he's so great that I assume they're going to work with him and try to support him better. And he has an entire you know four, five, six-month offseason to get himself right, potentially a suspension on top of that going into the season. But if something else happens or even if it's just what's happened already, maybe more details come out about the past incidents as well. Like, they could just be done with him, you know? Like, this was a team that was a headache to deal with last year anyway. You think about all the Dylan Brooks stuff and all the jaw incidents, and there were just so many things off the court, that team that ruined their season. They don't want to have another year like that. Last year was a nightmare for the Grizzlies for a long portion of the year. They don't want that again. And at some point, jaw could officially jump over the line and cross that river that puts him in a situation he really does not want to be in with his Memphis future. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's rough. I don't think there's anything else to say. Not good, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. That'll be a big story, I would think, heading into the summer uh, throughout the offseason. Grizzlies got a lot of decisions to make, and Josh certainly a big part of that. So. Yeah, they are, it, and we said it before, it's, it's amazing how much, uh, how much can change in a year. At the beginning of this year, I think we both kind of said, as, like, if you're a casual NBA fan, then, like, you just love watching the sport. Like, a team like the Memphis Grizzlies is a team you want to root for. They are not going to Yeah, young, up-and-coming, and now they're just annoying. Yeah. And honestly, at this point, it's tough to even watch them. Because yeah, you can just really tell is. that there's a lot of chemistry problems going on over there. All right, let's talk Game 7. Uh, we were excited for this one. We thought it had a chance to be a really great game between two classic franchises that have played each other a million times in the playoffs. Yeah, nobody's played each other more in NBA history than the Celtics and the Sixers. It hasn't happened. Uh, nobody else has played each other more. But in this game, it was the Jason Tatum show. And he took over the game from start to finish, had 25 points in the first half, finished with a all-time record in Game 7, 51. Steph Curry, sorry, your record Your record lasted literally 14 days. It is now gone. Jason Tatum now holds that record. They win 112-88. to 88, And the Celtics, moving on to the Conference Finals, will break down their series with Miami in a little bit. But to me, the big story here, other than Tatum, which we'll get to, is what the heck happens with the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a team with questions among questions upon questions heading into the offseason with their coach, with their roster, with their superstar players. You just wonder if this team will ever reach the top of the mountain because it's been a long time with the Joel Embiid process era, and still they've never made it to the conference finals. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit today after the game, and I really don't know where they go with this team. And in my personal opinion, I like today. I feel, especially in today's NBA, I feel like all these teams are so reluctant to do it now. But like, I really, I, just because I don't see how they can get better, I just don't see how they can go any further. We look at the fact that the Celtics are probably still going to be back next year. You obviously you know about the Bucks. The the Heat could very well bounce back next year and be a more of a contender, more than an eight seed than they were this year. So they have them. Cleveland is still coming. Uh, the New York Knicks, they're gonna. I think they're gonna keep improving. Uh, who else we got? We got Orlando Magic. They're a young up and coming team that's on the rise. Detroit's a team on the rise. Yep. Where do you get better at this point when a lot of your team, like guys like Harden and Tobias Harris, are up there in age? You don't have draft picks. You don't have much money you can spend. I think it's time to blow it up just because like, we've seen this we've seen this team ceiling for so many years with Embiid. And Embiid's a great player. I just don't think that at this time 
this Sixers team is capable of going further when the rest of the league is going to get better. They're probably going to lose James Harden. I think there's a very strong chance he goes back to Houston. And even so, even if you re-sign Harden, we've seen it two years now. It hasn't worked. And Harden today had one of the worst playoff performances probably of his career. In 41 minutes, 3 of 11, 9 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. He also had 5 turnovers, was a minus 30. So he did not show up at all, and I think he's probably once out of Philly. You know, Houston's where his, his, his home, his family's there. He's talked about wanting to go back there. There's a chance they get Victor Wembanyama on Tuesday night. So it's, it's a lot of questions. I think it's time. To, I, personally, I think it's time to rebuild the 76ers. I don't think they're going to, obviously, and beats coming off an MVP season. I just don't see how they can get any better. No, that's a fair point. I, I just don't think you trade MVPs in yeah. their prime if they I, don't ask for it. That's fair, yeah. So I wouldn't do that, and I would just probably just run it back. I would try and re-sign James Harden. Because the problem is like this. If you don't re-sign James Harden, you don't really have a way to replace the production you got. And he was awful today. Like, him and Embiid yeah. were just atrocious. But the guy was a near all-star this year. I thought he was an. I thought he was gonna make the all-star team. No, I'm not taking anything. He led the league in assists. I'm not taking anything away from his regular season. Yeah. But in these playoffs, he was so up and down, and we kind of saw it. The games he played well, Sixers won all of them. The games he played awful, that's the reason they lost. No, it's true. It was that simple. And I, I just, I just, the thing is this: like you have Embiid, I don't think they should just waste another prime year of Joel. He's already had so many injuries. You don't know how yeah. long he'll be this but good. But also, that's also another point, because let's look at it this way. Joel Embiid is 29. He's had plenty of plenty of lower body injuries. And, and he's massive. He's massive, exactly. That's another point. When you look at it from that standpoint, let's say you try and run this thing for another two, three years. At that point, he's going to be, what, 32, and he's probably going to have more injuries under his belt. The value right now is at an all-time high, and you can probably double a package of what Kevin Durant got from the Phoenix Suns, and you can get something back and really try and rebuild this thing quickly. With a young team, you can build around Maxi. Who, by the way, is going to get a max contract, you would think. he's probably going to get a max contract. That's how I would do it. Uh. Just because I, I, I mean, maybe I, say, I just don't I, see him doing I, that. I, like, I personally, I agree with the saying in sports: it's better to trade a guy a year early than a year late. And I just think it's the right time. We've seen this, we've seen this year in and year out with multiple different teams: Jimmy but Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, James Harden. It just ha- nothing's worked, and Doc Rivers is not the answer. A coach, we'll talk about him in a, in a second, but I just don't know how they get better. No, it's a fair point, especially if Harden walks away, like. You have to trade Maxi. You probably have to trade Maxi and something else to get like a guy like Dame Lillard. And at that point, getting rid of him is kind of getting rid of Harden and Maxi just for Dame. You're not a better. No, team. you're not winning that way. You're not a better team. No, the the only way. And they have no money to spend. The only way to me they remain a contender, except for something like catastrophically strange that we don't see coming, is by them re-signing James Harden and just running it back. And if they sit, sign James to a five-year max deal, let's say, or a four-year max deal. And in three years, it's a terrible contract or sooner. You just deal with it on the back end, and you it's it works itself out at some way at some point. Yeah. But I don't know. I just to me, it's like this. And James Harden's going to be thirty four in August. All of these teams in the East had a shot this year. Like Milwaukee lost early, right? There it was their year two years ago. It was Boston's year last year. It kind of feels like nobody's really has a stranglehold on the East, yeah. and you only have to do it once. The minute you win one championship or you go to one finals, you're good. And at some point, I just feel like you have a Joel Embiid. Can he finally stay healthy for one playoff run? Because all of the injuries that he's had in the playoffs are 
mounting up year by year by year. This is the neat year. Last year he had the face issue. He had a hand problem before. Like you can't, I can't even count like on one hand how many times the guys hurt himself in the playoffs. If they could just get there one time, because you could clearly see today when they got blown off the floor, just boat raced by the Celtics. He was not himself. The guy was five of eighteen. How many games Joel Embiid shoot five of eighteen? Yeah. So to me, it's just like keep running it back because this is the best team you're going to have. I don't see if they trade Embiid, even if, like let's say he doesn't ask for one and they just trade him anyway. I don't think they're going to be able to be a better team in the next two to three years. And I know Daryl Morey wants to win now. So I would run it back. But I totally get your point. But they need to make tweaks, though. That's the thing. Even if they run it back, you can't bring back this exact same roster because they're not good enough right now. You have to do different things. And so is that fixing the bench? Is that getting a backup center? And then the biggest question, if they do run it back, what the heck do they do at coach? Yeah. I, so let's I, talk about that. Yeah. Like, well, quickly before we move on to Doc Rivers, like I said before, just to reiterate also, but the big question being, what do they do with James Harden and his contract? He's going to be 34 this August. He's had some injury problems. Getting him a five-year contract. It's very, a tough proposition. Very, very risky. Where he'll be 38, 39 when that contract comes to an end. Could be one of the worst contracts in the NBA. Yeah. No, it could. I, I just feel like it's you, you pay it now to deal with the consequences later. I don't, that, but that's just me. I totally get why somebody would say yeah, to not like, do it that I, way. I think it's really hard. And I, I think, to just me personally, look, I just think it's time this team just runs its course. But let's anyway, talk Doc though. So, with, with so the, Doc, they got to fire him, right? Yeah, I think he's got to go. This is his. This was his third year there. His third second round exit in a row. This time, blowing a three-two lead, and you had home court advantage in Game Six, and you didn't take advantage in a game. Jason Tatum until the fourth quarter was didn't have a field goal. Or I believe he was like one of 15, yeah one of fourteen one I of think. fourteen had one of the worst shooting performances and they weren't able to capitalize and then today getting blown off the court I, I just this has happened constantly with Doc in the last pretty much since the bubble season Doc has had a collapse every single year in the playoffs and I just don't think he's the answer right now I kind of think he's kind of like to a lesser extent than what Tom Thibodeau is I think he's just coaching in the wrong era at this point in time I think and. A lot of it, he's had a lot of collapses, and I just think it's a bad narrative at this point, and I just don't think the team itself, and more than anything, just the team and media don't believe that they can win with him as coach, and I think it's going to be, it's like bad perception with him there. I think he's probably gone. Yeah, I I don't think he's going to be back. You said he's coaching the wrong era. That's totally fair. They asked James Harden about his relationship with him he after the game okay. today. He said it's, yeah, he said it's fine. Like, that doesn't sound very inspiring. Yeah, Joel Embiid was much different. He said he loves Doc. He thinks he's, they've gotten better each year. It's just, it's hard to win with a guy where there's so many critics on the outside going at you constantly. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't think he makes that fan base believe in him. Yeah. It's hard to believe in a guy that's lost 10 game sevens. Nobody's ever done that. Yeah. He's blown multiple 3 1 clubs. I think it's four different 3 1s and a bunch of 3 2s, including this year. 3 2 in the NBA Finals. Yeah, like he's, he's just had a lot of tough losses before game sevens, blown leads, all that. I would move on from him. I they gotta find someone who's either younger or just more for developed for this heat. He, yeah. he knows the team. He was there with Embiid developing. He was on Brett Brown's staff. I think that makes too much sense. We'll talk about Monty a little bit later, but I think that's the perfect coach for them. If you're it's, gonna run it, it back. No, that's 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 a good name. If you're gonna run it back. He knows the team. That's, that's what they should have done a couple of years ago when they fired Brett Brown. Or no, a couple of, after the Jimmy Butler year, Monty Williams became the head coach of the Suns. That year, they should have let Brett Brown go and made Monty the right. head coach. Right. That's what everyone wanted them to do. No, they probably should have, yeah. No, you're right. Be- and, and you just look at what this team did this year. 
They were very good defensively. They had a good offense, but they didn't seem to make the adjustments they needed to when it mattered. And unfortunately, too much of their offense is just James and Embiid just kind of standing around everybody else watching, right? And it's it doesn't seem like it's free-flowing to the level that it needs to be. And Doc just kind of seems like a lame duck kind of a coach, you know? He was great at one point. He made the all-time 15 list of coaches, and he deserved that. But it's time. He's, how many teams he coached? Four different teams now. You know, Orlando to Boston know, to the Clippers now here. Philly. It's a lot of different teams. It's a lot of blown leads. It's it's time. Yeah. I, I thought they should have fired him last year, to no, be quite I, honest. I didn't, think, I didn't think last year. Now I think it was last year they were still adjusting to the hard and it was a new team, that kind of thing. But I was ready for them to go next for yeah, him to go last but year. This year I think it was their best team and I just think it's time to move on and like we we're, we're talking bad about him, but like by no means am I saying Doc Rivers is a bad coach. I certainly believe he's a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. He's, one, he's one of the fifteen greatest coaches ever. The NBA gave him that honor for a reason. He's he's a fine coach. I just think, you know, like certain certain times, like just as the game changes, coaches fall out. Right. And I think that's what happened. Right. Yep. Too many too many blown leads and just too many issues over the years. Let's talk at least a little bit about the Celtics though. Um, this, this game was never close, like, this after halftime. It was a 28-3 to run, which is just kind of funny for Boston. Yeah, 28-3 um, run. Yeah. And... It was 33-10 to in the third quarter, and Tatum, he outscored the entire Philly team in the third quarter. I think it was 17-10 to or something in the third. Scary, he was so great. Want to hear a scary stat? Take away every player on the Celtics except Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The, the, the Sixers would only have won by 12 points. Wow. They had 76 combined points, the two of them. And Philly had 88. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that, isn't that insane? There was that one point where you said to me, oh, I'm, I, I think Tatum might be able to outscore well, the Celtics was, for the game. There was a point where Tatum had, the, the Sixers had 60 and Tatum had 42. <laughs> <laughs> he was in 20 points. Uh, that was... It was unreal. Was and, a, and let's be honest about Tatum, right? He's a great player. But he's the kind of guy who a lot of his shot diet is just really difficult attempts. Yeah, totally. They're off the no, dribble, step-back threes. A more, he's a more modern-day Carmelo Anthony. Exactly. That's the perfect way to describe him. And so he's going to miss at times. He's going to go one for yeah. 13 because that just happens. But when the guy gets hot he's and on, he is going, there's on, nothing you can do. he's on, he's a top, top five, top, yeah. top seven player there's, in this game. There's nothing you four, can do. He was fourth in MVP for a reason. He had the greatest scoring season in the history of the Celtics in terms of Points per points game. game, yeah. So he certainly has done his thing, and I picked this. I believe I picked the Celtics to go to the finals at the beginning of the year. I thought with the with the addition of Brogdon and bringing everybody back, they had a really strong season. I thought they were going to have a little bit of a hiccup because losing Adoka, and to a point, they. I mean, I, I think Adoka is a better coach than Missoula, and we've seen that Missoula has been an issue a little bit at times. Where and I think in this next series, we'll talk about it a little bit like Spo is going to run circles around him. Oh and, yeah, and. We're going to see that, but but the Celtics, they're the best roster in the NBA, and it's hands down. And a lot of it, a lot of it does evolve around them hitting shots, but at the same time, we saw it today, and I think they're going to go with this the rest of the playoffs. When Robert Williams starts, their defense is just on another level. He's, be- he's just better than Derek White, and I like Derek White. Yeah, I think Derek White's a great bench player, but this is, this is the role Robert Williams is meant to be playing, close to 30 to 35 minutes a game. Blocking shots, keeping people out of the paint, while Al Horford, who did an incredible job in this series on Embiid, he really slowed him down. You're never going to fully contain him, and he, he basically did the best job he could possibly do today, 5 of 18. And then you have T- Tatum, you have Tatum and Brown, you know, they're they're isolating, they're hitting some tough shots, and then you have 
everybody else, Marcus Smart, Williams, Horford, White, Brogdon, Grant, they're all solid defenders and three-point shooters. This is a team that's built for a championship, and I think there's no reason for them not to win it. And, they, and that's what exactly what we said last year, the by the way. And also, at, at this point, yeah, they were the better team last year, but now, but this is this team is better than last year. Better. With the addition of Brogdon. And he, obviously, he was the sixth man of the year. He was one of the most consistent players all year long. And especially this time, they didn't have home court advantage. The NBA, the rest of the season, runs through Boston. And it did it this round, too. Yeah. Still. Yeah, yeah they have the rest of the, the rest of the playoffs, right, including was, this round. If it was round, Boston, yeah. Denver, game one's in Boston. Yep. They have home court the rest of the playoffs. There, they, there's this team has no excuses. There's no reason this team should not win the championship. They have, uh, they, have they got fourth in MVP voting in Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown's a twenty-five point game per score. They have two Defensive Player of the Year caliber guys and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams when healthy. And they have the sixth man of the year in Malcolm Brogdon. They have all the pieces. It's time for the Boston Celtics to finally do it. It is. It should be. There's no question that it should be. This is the best team yeah, left. Like but, but, said, but the thing is, when they have to play like it. And too often, unlike last year, they don't play like it. Yeah. And that's their problem. That's why they lost two games against Atlanta. Just inexplicable, horrible losses. Some it's why they lost the first game, game of this series. Yeah. How does James Harden score 45 on you without Joel Embiid and you lose? Things like that can't happen. They're, they, you know, they're ten and ten now in the last two playoffs at home. Yeah. Like you have to win more your home yeah, games. But, like, but this team is better than. Yeah. When they don't screw around, by they're the best mile. team. Yeah. Maybe like I mean I think the Lakers they they have the third best roster, but obviously top heavy with LeBron and AD. But like in terms of like you have Tatum and Brown who are just all NBA all all the way through the roster, and then just the depth is so good. Yeah. Defense player of the year, six man of the year. They got a lot of hardware for a reason. And what I liked so much about the Robert Williams move to the starting lineup, as you said, it gives them a dimension that they don't really have otherwise in the starting lineup. It gives them ultimate rim protection. Right. Because when they played the small lineup, Horford guards the big guy, and then he just roams. Right. But when they had when they had Derek White in the starting lineup, this team was so heavily reliant, and they still are, but even heavier reliant on three point shooting. Yeah, this adds a little bit of an extra element with the lob threat. It'll yeah, it allows you to play a different style. You can try to transition your emphasis of your team a little bit offensively to go defensively. And I like that more. It just—it's a better split right now. You can bring in two good ball handlers that can that protect the ball, that can make shots off your bench with Brogdon and White. It fits. It's just a better fit. It, it works better with this team. And they didn't do it all year. They were hesitant to for whatever reason. And Derek White played and earned that starting job. Like he was great this year. People think he was the, probably the third best Celtic through the whole eighty-two games. But in the playoffs, Robert Williams is so impactful, and that's the guy you want. So I yes, I assume he'll guard. You know, probably Bam, no, either Bam or, or some, or yeah, Kevin Love in Rome, yeah. So like he'll that. do something, yeah, and and that'll be the strategy, and we'll see what Missoula wants to do in the next series yeah. and how they how they tinker with it. But Still. this 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 should be a, a team that they crush in yeah, the second. The, in the, the only in the adjustment finals. I think the Boston needs to make, and I'm gonna say it again, they gotta get Grant more minutes. Like Grant is great. you are you are the biggest Grant Williams fan on planet Earth. He's By just, the way, he scored 27 points yeah, in last seven. year's Game 7 no, and then didn't play in no, this no, year's Game 7. Go tell How important was he in the playoffs last year? I he just, was. I just love the way he plays the game. And he's just a fun player to watch. He, like For a guy, like, I think he's exactly like the modern-day stretch four in the sense that he's a great shooter, rebounder, and defender. And like just a, like, and this guy's going to make probably 15 to $20 million. Like, this may be the last time you're going to use him. Use everything you have to your advantage. Yeah, they basically only played six guys today. And especially without Horford, who's up there in age. You gotta give him, like, as the playoffs go on. They, I mean, basically, the only guys that played were the starting five, and then Brogdon got 29 minutes. Even Derek White, who yeah, was so important, 12. 12. Yeah, they basically yeah. played six, six men. Yeah, six and a half, really. So, we'll see what happens in the next round, but the Celtics are loaded, and 
I mean, Tatum just... It was a show of shows. We, we didn't say the numbers just so everybody hears it. In 42 minutes, yeah. 17, 17 to 28, 6 of 10 from 3. Shot 14 free throws, made 11, 13 and 5. And his rebounding in this playoffs as well. Yeah. Over 10 a game. Credit to him. He's not always making shots. We saw that in game six, but he affects the game in so many other ways, and that's why he's such an impactful player at this point in, yep. in his sixth season. No doubt. By the way, Boston, fifth conference final in seven years. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Incredible. So. Yeah, no champ. They're kind of like the Lakers of like the 70s, <laughs> like the 60s and 70s. They got all these great things, but they got no ring to show and for it. Three of the last four years, they faced Miami in the conference finals. And yeah. let's talk a little bit about, we'll talk about that series in a minute, but we'll go to Monty Williams quickly. We mentioned him before, um, maybe a potential fit for the Sixers job. But Monty Williams let go by the Suns the other day after four really successful years. He had the most wins of any NBA coach since his second year. They go to the finals uh, in year two. They have that great run in the bubble his, his, his first year there. And then the run to the finals with Chris Paul. They trade for him. Then last year, the really tough loss in game seven by 40 points to the Mavericks. And then this year, oh, what a miserable loss that was in game six at home uh, against Denver the other day, losing by 30. And they bow out of the playoffs in the second round with Kevin Durant. Look, that team probably wasn't built to win a title this year. They didn't have enough depth to do it. It was basically two on five all the time, or maybe three on five when Aiton was there. But after four really good years, they move on from a coach that I think is pretty terrific. And I get why Matt Ishbia didn't hire this guy. He didn't own the team then, obviously. Monty Williams is going to be severely, uh, extremely attractive for a lot of teams going forward now for openings. And the Suns could miss him because they hit a home run with their coaching hire four years ago. Yeah, no, it really is. Uh, Monty is one of the best coaches in the game. And like you said, he's had a lot of success. He's had some bad losses, but at the same time, he took a team that when he arrived there, the, the Suns were literally known as just the, the number one pick team pretty much every year. They were, before he got there, they, Devin Booker didn't accomplish anything before. He'd never been in the playoffs. Never been to the playoffs, never made an all-star team. He was still a scorer, but you get what I'm saying. He had scored seven points, and that was it. Yeah, he never... He, Devin Booker who, pretty much, before Monty Williams was there. And he came in there, and they started to do better. They started to slowly do better. Then the bubble happened. They got red hot. It was enough for them to get Chris Paul, to, to make him go after Chris Paul, and... They had a lot of success. They made their NBA Finals. They won 65 games and were a one seed. And then they made the big trade for Kevin Durant. And it just didn't work out. They didn't have enough depth. Chris Paul got injured. Aiden got injured too. Aiden got injured too. I kind of feel more than anything, Monty, they're kind of using him as a scapegoat. But also at the same time, it's not entirely shocking that he was fired for the fact that this is also a new owner. Monty's not his guy. So... That's partially a new thing. Like sometimes a new owner comes in. He wants to bring in his people. He wants to like put his stamp on the organization. So it's partially probably because of that. Monty's a great coach. I, he'll, I, I fully believe he'll get picked up. And I think I think a prime spot for him would probably be the Sixers or Bucks. One of those two teams. I think the Sixers are a perfect fit. Like I said, he was in the organization a few years ago. He knows he knows Embiid well. He was one. Of, he was Rep Brown's top assistant. I think it's a good fit. We'll see what happens. Yeah, he's a really good coach. And you mentioned that Ishbia wants to bring in his own people. That's fine. I get that. I will say this, though. If you take the Ishbia part out of it, I think the biggest reason for why Monty's losing his job... Him and DeAndre. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think Booker and him got along great for four years, and him and Chris Paul go back like 15 years now, so they had a great relationship. A lot of NBA coaching in 2023, Jack, is not just about X's and O's and playoff adjustments and all that. 
It's about communication and relationships. And for over a year, Monty Williams, along with the rest of the Suns, and the organization messes up horribly, but he is included in this, did not get the DeAndre Ayton situation correct. They didn't have a good relationship. They really soured at, at times. Last year in that Game 7 against uh, against Dallas, it was a disaster. Uh, the way that they respected and looked at each other and didn't talk after the game, it was bad. And it seemed like the bad blood never really let up. And and I think Aiton, in a way, just got fed up with the whole thing. And, you know, he was the number one overall pick. Like, he thought he'd be the superstar of the team, and he'll never be that. He'll be, at best, the third option going forward. And they signed him to a contract they didn't really want to sign him to. But they kind of felt like they had to because they couldn't replace yeah, they, him they, if they, they didn't. They gave him the max, and then he yeah. signed a contract with the Pacers, and, and they had they to match it. it. Yeah. And Which, by the way, I was standing next to Woj when that happened. Um, but yeah, they messed up the situation horribly, and and Monty Williams never got it right. I think that has as much to do with it as anything. And obviously, getting blown out in two closeout home games is a disaster as well, or, or two uh, late playoff home games, I should say. In the last year, is is a disaster. You had championship expectations both years. You need to do better, but. If you can at least get the Aiton relationship right, maybe you get more out of him and maybe you actually advance in these series rather than getting beat up the way you did. Because Jokic just owned Aiton in the series. It was, like, embarrassing how good Jokic was against him. Jokic is the best. Yeah, he should have been better, though. Like, you got to have at least something for him, and he didn't. I know he's the number one overall pick. He should be better. They got to move Aiton. I assume that'll happen. But Monty Williams is kind of the the person that goes here. Obviously, like, the Nets look bad, but, like, if you're the Nets right now, you, you got to be feeling pretty good. The Suns have a lot of questions. Mikael Bridges looks like he could be a, can become a consistent All Star. I know he's really high on your list. Well, I'm a big fan. I know. And by the way, Cam Johnson too. Yeah, no, I like them both. Letting those two young guys who are a huge part of the team, and the the Suns have a lot of questions. Look, they pretty much they got look they got two generational scorers in Durant and. Booker, you know, they probably have the last couple of, they have, they have, this is Durant's probably final run. I'd give him probably two or three more years where he plays at an elite level. You know, he's going to have his injuries. He's had them the last three years. You got to go all out in this situation. And they really got to try and build up a team to help these two guys out. It's going to be hard to do it. You know, you have a lot of money locked up in four players and especially Chris Paul. Chris Paul's going to be what, 38 next year? He's really old. Yeah. 38. And he looks old, too. 38. He looks old. He's playing old. He looks old. A lot, he, a lot of money is under his contract. So, yeah, can, can we actually go over that? That's an important thing you mentioned. So, because we were talking about this the other day. So, for Chris Paul's deal, 30.8 next year is his salary, but only uh, eight, uh, sorry, 15.8 of that is guaranteed. So, about 16 million guaranteed out of the 31. The year after, he's also owed, also owed another 30 million, which is fully non guaranteed. So, if they want to, they could move him right now, Jack. Somebody could pay him $16 million and get to get off their hands, and that would be it. The Suns yeah. could do the same if they want to and open up yeah. some room there. I think they will trade Chris Paul. I think some younger team that needs a veteran point guard will trade for him. Maybe they keep him around, and he's a bench player for them or something, or a, a limited starter, or they just cut him and they say, you know, we'll buy you out for the $15 million and get off our hands and go sign a minimum deal with a contender, and you do it that way. That would be my route. I think you do that. I think you try to find a younger more healthy point guard who fits better alongside those two stars and you trade Aiton and see what you get back for him. And then basically the rest of the roster, as, as you know, is open. The only four guaranteed contracts, fully guaranteed contracts for next year are Durant, Booker, Landry, Shamit, and Aiton. You're probably trading Aiton and Shamit's whatever. You can move him. It's only $10 million a season. They could pretty much build out an entire new roster next year of a lot of minimums and 
You know, you have a mid-level signing and whatnot. So there's things they can do. It's not a ton of money, but there is the ability for them to put a roster around these two superstars that they love, and that new coach will have an ability to kind of melt, mold it into what he wants to. So we'll see. I like the Sun flexibility in this offseason, though. They have two big names to trade and a lot of other open roster spots coming up. Yeah, certainly, but they got to rebuild a new team around these guys. Yeah, what they had this year was not good enough. No, and you kind of saw it. Like, I kind of look, like, I thought the Suns, like, obviously they had high expectations, but pretty much in that in that Clippers series when Kawhi went down and those games were still competitive, you knew they weren't good enough. No, they were not. Yeah, when the Clippers no. were giving them a fight, when they were having lineups of five five point guards. Well, we, we talked about it. The Clippers were competing and they had lineups of Russ, Eric Gordon, uh, Terrence Mann. We talked. Like Monty Williams basically in this postseason was playing darts with his bench. He he had a bunch of names on a wall, a bunch of pictures, and just threw darts. Whichever one it landed on was the guy he was putting in the game. One night campaign, you play. One night Jock Landell, you play. Bismack Biyombo, you play. Shamit, Okogi, Tory Craig. There was like eight or nine. Terrence Ross, T.J. Warren. There were nine, ten different guys that got opportunities, and none of them took full advantage of it for multiple games because they just not good enough. Yeah, so. That's the Suns' problem, and they've got a lot to figure out. But you have two superstars, and that's a good place to be. So, and an aggressive is. owner as well. Last thing, we got to talk these new series. Uh, Tuesday night is the lottery first at seven thirty, I think, or eight, and then like yeah, I think it's eight, and then the game is at eight thirty. Game one, Lakers Nuggets uh, from Denver. Uh, Wednesday's game one of the East series between Miami and Boston again from TD Garden. So let's make our picks. We'll break it down a little bit. We'll start in the West. Lakers-Denver, a rematch of the 2020 bubble uh, conference finals, just like the East, same four teams as we had four years ago, uh, or three years ago. Very funny how it worked out. Your pick is what and why? I mean, I, I, a part of me just knows because like, I've been wrong in the first two series for them, but like, I, I just I can't bet against Denver. They've been so good all year. Jokic is just playing at an unreal level. They have so many guys that are capable of scoring big on any night. Murray, Porter, Gordon... KCP's playing the best basketball of his career. They have him to defend. They have Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Christian Brown. It's just a talented team. They've played so well throughout these playoffs. They've looked like the most consistent team. I, I, I'm going to say Den- I'm going to say Denver in six, but I can see the Lakers winning. But I, I got to go with Denver. They're my pick to win it all, or to yeah. win the West in the preseason. You're not going with them now. No, <laughs> I can't. Look, the Lakers are not a perfect team. There's a lot of things they could be better at. They're not a very good half-court offensive team. They're not a very good shooting team. They got LeBron and AD. They're a really bad closing quarters team. They close quarters as bad as any great team I've seen in a long time. They are terrible in the last two minutes of each quarter. But yeah, LeBron and AD. And Anthony Davis, for all of his warts offensively, the inconsistency, the things that you're like, come on, bro, like just be more consistent on that end of the floor, his defense is game-wrecking. He shut down Golden State's offense for all a significant portion of the last series. The most difficult offense in the NBA to defend for a decade. He shut it down. Yeah. He's unreal. I am going to take the Lakers in six. They have yet to lose a home game in the playoffs, playing included in that. There's, uh, I think, 7-0. and So I'm going to take Lakers in six. They've matched up with Denver pretty well for a couple of years now. This is a team that they've always played pretty good against. And I expect that, can, that to continue. I think LeBron and AD have enough left in the tank to get back to another finals. I'm going Lakers in six. It's certainly possible, but I also think a couple things to also consider. Well, first of all, I partially feel like the Lakers can win it. Like, not saying, obviously, obviously the NBA is not rigged. And sometimes I think they lean a little direction. You can't tell me the NBA is like, huh? Celtics, Lakers, battle for 18. 
I smell the ratings there, but whatever. Dude, the ratings would be off the charts. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, would they not be? No, of course they would. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to do that. But also, I will say this. More than anything, though, more than anything that stands out to me the most in this series, this is the first team the Lakers are going to be playing in the playoffs where everything's on basketball and there's kind of no other distraction. Obviously, the Grizzlies with all their nonsense with Dylan Brooks and all that. And then obviously, Golden State, they were never right this year from the start, from the punch. You kind of saw it all year. Yeah, they really did jump in the pool. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and but you get what I'm saying. This Denver team, they've been pinpoint all year. It's business. It's basketball. We're going for the title. You know, last year with Jokic was incredible. He didn't have his guys healthy. This year they do. They've been balling all year long. That's also a big factor. And another factor for me is obviously Anthony Davis has been a game wrecker, but this is the first time they're going up against like a true big man who knows what he's doing and. He's in control, unlike Jaron Jackson. He kind of just like you know, he just he doesn't he doesn't really know what he's doing on offense and that kind of sense. And then the Warriors, they don't have a big man to affect the game. Jokic is the big man that affects the game. So th- this will be different to me. They, they have they have the shooters. They have much better defenders. And like I said, more than so than Golden State had. Denver has other guys that can take over a game. Jamal Murray can go for forty on any given night. Porter can drop thirty. Wouldn't surprise you. Aaron Gordon can go for twenty. KCP can get hot and go for 18. Bruce Brown impacts the game. They're a complete team. They are. That, that, uh, Darvin Hemp said it after the other night. He said, that's a beast up in the Rocky Mountains. And let me tell you, I saw them against the Lakers in the 2020 Conference Finals, and they were really good then. They are so much better ten, now. Ten, ten, ten times better they now. They are awesome. And also, last time, like we said in the bubble, I kind of said this to you the other day, Jokic was a star figuring it out. This is not the same Jokic. This guy is MVP. I am a top three player in the game. He looked like he, he he's looked like he's on a mission. This is his time. I feel like that's a big factor. Also, I think Mike Malone is just a better coach in general than Darvin Ham. He's terrific. And we'll see what happens. But I think I think Denver, they have no excuse not to make the finals. They got home court advantage. They they have the reigning, they have the two-time MVP. Jamal Murray's healthy. They have defenders. They have shooters. I, I, I got to go with them. One big key I will tell you, and this has not been the case in the first two rounds, and it's, I think, my biggest question I have about the— I feel confident they're going to win, um, but my biggest question for them, and it relates to Jokic, is can Anthony Davis stay out of foul trouble? That, exactly. That's because hard, yeah. you saw in the last two series, the Lakers have zero confidence in winning Gabriel and Mo Bamba. They don't have a backup center on the roster. It's Anthony Davis or it's LeBron slash Hachimura playing center, and those guys are not centers. If AD gets into any sort of foul trouble, and Jokic can get you there because he puts you in the blunder and you might be cooked, right? Like, he's that great. If he gets in foul trouble, I don't know what the Lakers yeah, do. I'm looking, They're I'm, screwed. I'm looking at his stats right now here. So these are these are Nikola Jokic's stats, I think, for the, for the playoffs so far. Go ahead. In, he's, in 11 games, he's averaging 38 minutes a game. He's averaging 30, 30.7, 30.7 points per game, nearly 13 rebounds, 10 assists, shooting 55% from the floor and 48% from three. Oh, my three. God. He is playing on a he's been the right He's now. been probably the best player in the playoffs. And in total, in total, this is also incredible, in 11 playoff games, in total, these are his total numbers, 330, what, I think this is, a, like no, that can't be right. It says 338, but what? Th- points. That can't add up. Right? 338, yeah, because 30, yeah, 30 times 11, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 338 points, 141 rebounds, and 107 assists. He's unbelievable. He's uh, completely he, unstoppable. He's all the time. just on, he's on, he's playing on a warpath right now. That's my biggest question. I, but I do think this, though. 
The Lakers, their number one defense. And also... And it that defense is hard. But also, more than anything, also, the Lakers haven't seen, no player controls the game like Jokic does. Bro, they just beat Steph Curry. What are you talking about? No, but like, Steph, you kind of see. You double him, it's hard for him to get inside. Jokic can do anything. Jokic is always in command out there. Like, way different. He's got eyes on every direction of his head, basically. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's He's a, incredible. There's no question. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking Lakers in six. If Denver won, though, I would not be yeah, surprised. Yeah, if I'm a team one, they are it wouldn't awesome. surprise me. I think Denver has been the best team in the West all year. Nah, That's why I picked them. That's why I picked them before. I, I think they get it done. All right. On to the East. Um, probably a slightly less interesting conference finals. I think Lakers-Denver has a lot become more storylines. a story rivalry. Yeah. Th- three years out of the last four, they've played each other in the conference finals. And every time, it seems like Miami's the huge underdog, and they always make it really tough. Yeah, well, last year they were <laughs> three points out away. Yeah, Jimmy Butler was right there. So, this time, though, the difference is Miami had the home court last year because they were the one seed. Yep. Didn't look like they were the better team, but they were the one seed. This year, they don't look like the better team, and they're the eight seed. And they don't have Tyler Hero. Boston is awesome, but sometimes, as we talked about before, they do things that are dumb. They lose their focus. They lose that 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 attention to detail that you need. And Miami always has it. They, they are the sharpest, mentally heat, tough heat, team we have. Heat culture is real. That saying is real. I hate the saying, but it might be real. Yeah, and look. Can they make it tough on Boston? I, they should lose. Like, they should yeah. not be able to beat the Celtics. But I feel like Jimmy Butler is so locked in mentally, and that team is so on a string together yeah. that they're going to be really they, tough to they, beat. They have, they have, they just have veteran guys. They know what they're doing. I've said it, like Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry in that series against the Knicks. How many smart, veteran, winning plays did those guys make? That's the reason they won the series. They made so many, like, heads-up plays and just big-time, like, certain moments. They, they're smart. They know what they're doing. They're well-coached. Spo is going to coach circles around Missoula. That's I think that's a given. I'm going to say Boston in five. I'll give them one game because of Jimmy Butler's greatness. But like Boston, this is the first time. Like obviously the Bucks were really injured, and the Knicks were. I think the Knicks were a better team than the Heat. But I like we said, Heat culture, better coaching. The Knicks looked scared for most At of the series. Well, you kind of kind of like adults versus kids. That yeah, kind of, exactly. That kind of situation. Yep. Boston has no. Boston should go into the series saying they, they they don't deserve to be on the court with us. Like that's how they should feel in this, and that's honestly how it really is. It, that's how it should be. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving them two games though. I'm gonna say five. I'm saying I'm saying the Celtics in six. I'm gonna say five. They have they, their defense is gonna be way better. They don't have side. I don't know how. But also more than anything, I don't know how. But like outside of like Bam floaters, I don't know how they're gonna score in the paint. I mean, they didn't score on the paint in the last series either. Well, though. they somewhat did with Butler, but like, they're gonna have to shoot a really high yeah, percentage. They're deep. They're deep. Or Jimmy has to give them like 38, 40 yeah. almost every game. Boston's defense is gonna be way better than what the Knicks threw at them. So true. I, I do think though that when you have Spolstra, you can't count Any, him out. Anything's he's possible. that. He's Any, that special. A, 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 look, anything is possible. Like if Butler somehow got this to seven, <laughs> like. He, he shocked the world time and time again in these playoffs. He's been the best player in the playoffs. He's going to be the best player on the court. It's not it's not crazy, but I just think Boston's too good. They should be too good. Yeah. And then potentially, as you said, a chance for the battle for 18 Lakers and Celtics. Yeah, and you, know, you, know, you know with what's left. That's, that's what the NBA wants. That's what Adam Silver wants. That's what the, the executives want. So those are two huge market teams that we could see in the finals. I wanted just before we go... Talk quickly about another big market team. We mentioned the Warriors, uh, you know, lost to the Lakers the other day in Game Six. 
Let's talk just briefly about what the future potentially could hold for them. I think it's very interesting and a huge storyline around the league going forward now. People are saying the dynasty is over, and I think that's the general consensus among fans. I think we both think that it's probably over, but the team doesn't think so. Draymond said it after the game and in his podcast, like, we are going to be back. And apparently there's interest in paying Draymond another contract, and maybe Clay Thompson takes an extension at lesser than market value, takes less than the max to stay there, and they keep this thing rolling into their mid and late 30s. I don't see the point of doing that. I would pivot probably faster than that, but they don't want to. They want to ride these three guys that they've always had for a decade plus. The Bob Meyer situation is fascinating. He can leave. The Jordan Poole situation is fascinating. How does he possibly come back after the playoffs he had and the tumultuous incident and the whole season that went on there? Can they pay everybody with all the punishments that are coming for them with the new CBA and everything that's going to happen? What do the Warriors look like going forward? And how do they maximize the end of Steph's tenure as a top five player in the league? It's really going to be interesting to see how they do that. Yeah, well, it starts off pretty much as what does the Golden Boy want? Whatever, pretty much if Steph wants, if Steph wants something, you're going to do what he wants. He's 35 years old. He's been everything to that franchise. He's still playing at an MVP level. We saw at these playoffs before. You could say he's the best player in the league. Yeah. It's not crazy. Yeah. If you, you want to say that, I mean, you want to say that, you're not you're not crazy. And yeah. it's honestly up for debate. And he's, look, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they're one of the, the best threes all time, best big threes there ever has been. They're up there. They're up there in, with dynasties, San Antonio, Showtime, Boston in the eighties. You know, the they're balls, they, yep. they're, the, they're right there. They they're they're in that category with those teams. And if they want, if they think they're not done. I'm not going to doubt them just because we've seen them do it before. We thought they were done the last time once Kevin Durant left, and they won a title. So I'm not going to say anything's impossible. I do think it's going to be interesting. I think the one thing I think is certain, I think Jordan Poole is going to be traded. Just, got to. Yeah, I think he's got to go, especially if you're going to bring Draymond back. And it sounds like, from at least from his podcast, it sounds like Draymond wants to come back. And, I'm sure and Steph, they want him back. And I'm sure Steph Curry wants him back. They're, yeah. they're, they're boys. So I'm sure, I, I'm going to say 90% Draymond Green is probably back, because, especially because if Steph Curry wants that. So what would you pay Draymond? Because they're going to have to give him a new contract. I mean... I don't know if he'll take it. I would try and give him kind of like the Kyle Lowry contract that he gave him, like three years, $90 million. I think that's kind of fair. Yeah, I was going to say somewhere in 25 to $30 million. Yeah, range. I would say like three years, $90. I think, yeah. that, I think that's fair. And like, you know, I know I, he can't max him. Yes, and look, I know, but, like, but I'm going to talk for real like, for a second about like Draymond Green. We make fun of him. You know, he doesn't score a lot, and sometimes he misses a lot of layups, but the the guy has the guy the guy the, the impact the guy brings and the, the player he is there's no one else like him and counterpoint though you fair point though my argument to that would be we just saw him in a series he was good in like two and a half of the games no yeah like the, you're not gonna get it from him every night anymore he no, can't do that yeah no, no that's fair but like I'm saying obviously he doesn't score a lot but the playmaking he brings his his IQ his his defense like before like let's like we we talk crazy like. Before he got injured last season, he was probably the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. He made the All-Star team last year. He still he came, made, I think, second-team All-Defense yeah, this year. Yeah, second-team right? All-Defense yeah. this year. He's one of the greatest defenders there has been in this game. And obviously his personality, his antics are crazy, but he also provides that toughness and that swagger to the Warriors that they've had throughout these years. And he's kind of, like I'd say, Steph Curry's the best player, but Draymond's been the heartbeat. 
So I think that's also a big a big factor in a lot of things. He's just not consistent anymore. That that's the biggest problem. He's still very impactful. Like we saw Game Five against the Lakers, he was awesome. Yeah, he scored twenty points, but forget the twenty points. It was the defense, the his ability to push the pace. Yeah, defense, all that playmaking, rebounding, and he's just he's smart. But he gets in foul trouble too much. The antics are off the charts. We, the leeway oh, he gets with there. the refs is outrageous to me. But whatever. I just don't think you can count on him for 82 games of a regular season, and you definitely can't count on him for seven games of a playoff series. He was just benched in the finals last year. He was not good for over half the games in these playoffs. That has to be taken into account. Yeah, no. You know? It's, and, it's then, fair, and, then, like, and then to that point, by the way, Clay, Clay same thing. Clay, Clay cost in this series. He was awful in this series. They lost, well, they lost game four for two reasons. Lonnie Walker came out of nowhere, and Clay Thompson was terrible. Right, and if those are going to be your number two and number three guys, the two of the three that you're relying on the most, I don't know how you get there again. I just, I don't. And maybe if you want to bring them back at, at lesser contracts so you can keep the other core pieces around them, fine. But, like, I just don't think those guys can win you 16 playoff games anymore. Steph can, but he needs help, and the help this year wasn't there consistently. And those are the two guys you need the most, and they weren't around in the most important moments. Clay was 3 of 19 in Game 6. The whole Game 6 Clay thing... This was the worst game he's yeah. played in years. Yeah, he no, was awful. No, game, game, game four and game six, he was not good in this series. And they have a lot of questions. I personally think they're going to run it back just because uh, probably because Steph wants that. And and look, it's, say, say what you will about whether the Warriors, their, their runner's over or not. If they, Either way, this is at least how I feel. Like I feel like for how much they've given you and how much they've done, like, if, if Clay and Draymond want to finish their careers there, like the organization should do right by them and give him the, give them the contracts. That's personally how I feel. But I get at the same time if you want to you want to maximize Steph. Yeah, I think I think that's the most if, important. If you want to maximize Steph, it's a fair point. But I still think look, this was a year they had so many distractions and everything like that. They still were somehow able to win forty four games. Wiggins missed. Wiggins missed. I think much. it was like 40-something games yeah. this year. Well, how many? The, the, the personal stuff was like 20 games, but he missed another close yeah. to 20 with the injury. Yeah, Wiggins was gone for like the last month of the season. They probably won a bunch more games if that was the case. I still think this team is capable. They, like, they nearly won 50 games with all the distractions. If they come back refocused, I'm not going to say it's crazy. Okay. They need to retool the roster a little bit. What about Bob Myers, by the way? I mean, look. Bob you think he's Myers, back? Bob Myers... He can do whatever he wants to do. Personally, I think he's going to be back. Uh, I think he's going to be back because at this point in time, like I just don't see what organization would to go away from their plan. No, no GM has been fired this year, at least at this point, right? What 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 GM job is open right now? Uh, I don't think any at this. I don't yeah. think at the top of my head, I don't think so. Yeah, unless I'm forgetting. Look, one, Bob but. Myers is to me. He's the he's the best GM. He's been the best GM of the decade. He's been right up there with Pat Riley. And pretty much any team, if he's available, should fire whoever they got and try and bring him in. And Here's my hot take for the episode. My pick is that he will not be back. I'm going to say he is, but... I, I think he sees the writing on the wall with this thing. It's and I don't think he wants to go down with it. That, that's certainly fair, but we'll... Because they said it themselves. Like, they said, we were not a title team this year. We have to become one. Yeah. And, and I think Bob Myers knew that for the whole time. I think he would probably tell well, you in soon, private if he really thought that. As soon as the punch happened. Yeah. I, I just think that he saw what was going to happen here. And I don't think he wants to be the person that goes down with it and is is responsible for deconstructing a dynasty. You yeah. don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Like Jerry Krause is looked at 25 years later as a villain because of what he did. Yeah. 
Does Bob Myers want to be looked at in that light in the future? I don't know. No. That's why I think he won't be back. That's certainly fair until I see otherwise, especially like we kind of just said, like I don't see an opening right now. I'm going to say he's back. And also, another factor, like, yeah, like we got to remember, he's been there for almost a decade. Like All his family is there. His friends, his life is there. That's another big factor. He's 48. I'm sure he has probably, you know, if he has kids, I'm sure he has, yeah, he has kids around, are probably around teenagers. So, like, are you, you going to pull them away from the lifestyle they're used to? That kind of that kind of situation. So that's also a factor, I think, possibly. But if he's back, Joe Lacob is going to have to pay up. I'll say yeah, that. I see an article here from Real GM, the, you know, that account. Yeah. It says, Bob Myers has received multiple contract offers from the Warriors. So... They want to keep him. They're working on him. Well, of course they want to keep him. But we'll say, that, that, that's just me. I, I'm, I'm not totally yeah. sure. I, I'm going to say he's going to be back until I see otherwise, but certainly anything is possible. And look, if this is the end for the Warriors, they have nothing to be ashamed of. They're, like I said, one of the best dynasties is. They have the greatest team in history. They have, they're going to have at least five jerseys in the rafters. So, oh yeah, that's the end of, that's this is the end of Andre Iguodala's career. Yeah, salute Andre, yeah, nice career you had. Gonna have, they're gonna have five jerseys in the rafters, maybe six or seven if they want to throw in Looney or. Uh, oh, Loon should get his. Yeah, and Livingston should get his Loon, too. Sean Livingston, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, you could say anybody, but they have nothing to be ashamed of. They're they're one of the greatest dynasties. They did it against the, one of the best one of the best players ever in LeBron James, and. If it's the end, it was a hell of a run. That's all I'll say. My one little LeBron brag for this episode, Jack. He He outlasted them. Yeah, he uh, was a decade into his career the first time the Warriors won their first playoff game in 2013. He was a decade into his career. Those guys were young. He still is beating them a decade after they started their run in year 20. (laughs) Not with Kevin Durant. Not with a full LeBron team. But anyway, that's aside for a different day. I don't think they care, though. Okay. This podcast is produced, engineered, co-hosted by Jack Asello and me, Noah Schwartz. Our theme music was composed and produced by Jeffrey Taylor. One on One is executively produced by Gavin Berger and High Tops Media. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on IG at One on One Pod. See much more of our content as well on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at High Tops Media. And check out the new High Top Sports Instagram account at High Top Sports. We are graduating on Sunday, Jack. This is going to be a really fun week for us. A lot of fun uh, stuff going on in the NBA as well. Lottery Tuesday night. Start of the conference finals. So we'll have a lot more to talk about post-graduation. But for now, that'll do it for us. And we will talk to everybody real soon. Enjoy the hoops.